How's everybody doing? Are you good? All right. I've been preaching all day, and then I drove from Fort Smith to here, and we got in bad construction. So I'm a little tired, and I'm cranky, and my wife texted me and said, please be nice. And I was like, not a chance. And uh, so, <laughs> uh, let me just tell you this. This, I don't know if y'all worship like this normal. Uh, I don't know if this is like, but this is the best worship I've been in in a long, long time. And so then I was looking back a couple of these girls. I'm like, man, they can't outdo me. I'm a better worshiper than them. And so it was like we just kept competing with each other. So I don't know if God heard it or not. But, <laughs> but no, it was really good. I love to be challenged in that. If you've got a Bible or a phone, go to Acts chapter 3. I'm going to talk to you about 10 verses. And I do want to challenge you. And I do want you to write a few of these thoughts down. Uh, when I look back at my life, um, when I was in college, this is when you're learning, like college age years, you're learning how to walk. Uh, you're, you're going from being a sweet lady to a woman of God. You're going from being a boy to being a man, and you're making that transition. And you need to learn how to walk in responsibility. You need to learn how to walk with money. You need to learn how to walk when it comes to your education and what you're going to do with that side of your life. And you, and you have to learn how to walk spiritually at this point in your life. And if you will do this, then learning how to walk right now with God and learn how to walk as a responsible uh, young man, young woman, then you'll go everywhere God wants you to go. Uh, but the problem that we have right now, so I want you to track with me is that it used to be uh, when you were 18 years old. This is like the 70s and 80s. When you're 18, you're considered a man. Uh, then that used to be in this country, 14 years old, you were considered an adult. Like at 14, you're going to do great things. When this country was founded, John Adams sent his son at 12 years old to Russia to be an ambassador because he's like, he's 12, he's a man, Okay. Uh, so like last year, so you know, like with my kids, it's not that way. All right, I don't want you thinking we're walking around. You know, I've got I've got an 11 year old, a 13 year old, and a 17 year old, and we were in the Amazon jungle. I took them all to the Amazon jungle with me, and we were on a missions trip, and they treat these kids that look precious like they're men and women and they're full grown. I mean, like even the pastor looked at his son who was 12, and he was like, you know what? About to hit puberty. It's time to find a wife. I was like, what is going on? And they're like driving us. I'm like, who's driving us up to Amazon? They point at this 11-year-old. I'm like, listen, I'm an important person. I'm not putting, you don't know who I am, you know. <laughs> like an 11-year-old is not driving me anywhere. And I started thinking about like the decisions they make. Like their Bible school students are like 14, 15 years old. And they shoot animals and kill them and eat them. And then they grow a garden to feed themselves. And I'm like... Man, I don't, like even with my kids, if they're playing in the front yard, I'm like, hey, let's not play in the front yard. Dangerous things happen in the front yard. Backyard's fenced in. I saw a brown van come by here a while ago. Looks sketchy to me. Get in the backyard, you know. I'm just, I'm just, I coddle them way too much, okay. And so my son was asking me the other day, he goes, Dad, he's 13, he goes, how old will I be when I'm a man? And I said, whenever you choose to be a man from this moment on, you're a man. So right now in American culture, we have, we have stretched adolescence, I want you all to write this down, to 28 years old. That means nobody is expecting you to do a whole lot in your life for a long time, except for God himself. Like, 
I want the way you see your life and the way you challenge yourself on all these areas to go, you know what, even though I have permission to be irresponsible for like another 10 years, I'm going to be who God created me to be. And everybody said, amen. Acts chapter 3, okay? And uh, this is not a good message, so this is just going to come out raw because I haven't, uh, I haven't done enough like things to make it pretty. So y'all are going to get it in the rawest form, and, and then we'll see what we do from there. But uh, they've got it up here on the screens if you don't have a Bible. Let's walk through this line by line. This is what I want you to do. I want you to pick out which character of the story you think you are. Okay, and try to be honest, all right? Have you ever been in a situation, like I was at a gas station one day and I was judging a rich guy getting gas and I'm like, why is he so young and has so much money? And I was just totally in the flesh just judging what he was driving and what he was wearing. I was like, look at him, he's too young. And then he looked at me and I was like, hey, what's up? And he looked beside me and right behind me was a homeless guy. And like while I'm judging him, he looked behind me and saw a homeless guy and went over there and took care of him and bought his dinner. And I was pumping gas and I was like, I'm the wrong character in a Bible story. Y'all ever been that guy? Okay, that's how I was like. I'm like, I always pictured myself as the good Samaritan. I'm like the priest who just walked by and didn't take care of anything. You know what I'm saying? So when I read this one, I want you to go, who am I in this story? It says, uh, one day Peter and John, okay, that's two characters. We're going up to the temple at the time of prayer at 3 in the afternoon. Now, a man who was lame, everybody say lame, from when? He was lame from birth, was being carried, everybody say carried, to the temple gate called Beautiful, where he was put there every day to beg from those going into the temple courts. When he saw Peter and John about to enter, he asked them for money. Peter looked straight at him, as did John. Then Peter said, look at us. So he got his attention. So the man gave them his attention, expecting to get something from them. Then Peter said, silver or gold I do not have, but what I have I give you. In the name, let's all read that together. You guys ready? One, two, three. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, walk. Taking him by the right hand, that's a really bad translation. Okay, I'll, I'll tell you what that really means in the Greek. Okay, because that sounds like you're walking a lady. Or, you know, it's like, oh, she's coming off stage. Let me grab her hand and help. Doesn't that, it just seems very Christian to be like taking him by the hand. But <laughs> there we go. You're ready. <laughs> All right, you weren't going to let me take you by the hand though, right? Okay, thank you. All right, so it looks like, like being really polite, but it actually means, uh, if you've got something to take a little note with on your phone, it actually means they seized him, which means they snatched him up. I just love it when a Christian's snatching somebody up. Amen. All right? So he snatched him. Okay. And uh, let's go to verse uh, 8. He jumped to his feet and began to walk. Then he went with them into the temple courts, walking and jumping and praising God. When all the people saw him walking and praising God, they recognized him as the same man who used to sit begging at the temple gate called beautiful and they were filled with wonder and amazement at what happened now let me tell you what happened this guy gets healed and a massive crowd forms immediately after this peter moves to a place where he can speak and he preaches the gospel and 5000 people get saved in one instant when a lame person starts walking everybody takes notice so I want to just, let's get a little background. So I want you to understand these 10 verses. He's been crippled since birth. That's what the Bible says. 
It's not that he was walking and he stopped walking. He had never once, one time, walked on his own. Now listen to me. This is what it meant. He is going nowhere in life by himself. The only way he's going anywhere in life is because he's being carried to that destination by someone else. Now here's the fact of life. You are either walking right now or you are being carried right now. And there's a difference in the two, right? When you're being carried, now watch it. Now every day he's carried and the Bible gives him an age. Did y'all catch how old he was in the 10 verses? He's 40 years old. Now it's cute when you're a baby to be carried. So look at the baby. How cute. You know, around. How is this little girl? It's a boy. All right, he's got long hair. Sorry. You know, it's just like, little baby. It's good. That's cute. Like, three years old, it's like, why ain't that baby walking? 40, they're like, something is wrong. What has happened? And by the time, you know, you're 28 years old and you're 30 years old and you're being carried by someone else, somebody is praying and going, when are they ever going to stand on their own be responsible for themselves and begin to walk. The, listen, he's not carrying, he's not taking care of himself. He's being carried. And I'm telling you, the Bible says there's physical lameness, but this is not what I'm talking about. Because number one, there's lameness in the mind. Don't forget this. This is when you refuse to be responsible. Like you refuse to say, you know what, I'm 17 years old or I'm 21 years old and I'm going to start acting like, a, like the man or the woman God calls me to be. This means I'm not, listen, I see this in men all the time. They'll be 35 years old and somebody else is taking care of them. Somebody else is going to work. So there's, men, there's this mental lameness. There's also social lameness. This one you're just like, I want the government to pay for myself, for me. Because I don't want to take care of the things that God has called me to take care of. Are y'all listening to me right now? It's like I'm passing the buck on somebody else to pay my bill. And God goes, I've given you gifts and talents and abilities. And I want you to stand up and be productive. This is what I called you to be. But the biggest lameness of all is spiritual lameness. And this is where somebody else has to do all the praying. Somebody else has to do all the Bible reading. Somebody else is doing all the worshiping. But there has to be a generation of people that stand up and go, you know what? I'm not going to be lame in any category of my life anymore. And everybody said, amen. amen. Lameness is this. I did write this down, okay? Lameness is when someone has got to do for you what you have not chosen to do for yourself. So we see this all the time. People will come to the church and they'll drop off a teenager and they'll just be like, just no, they'll want one of the pastors to raise him up. And God's called that man and that woman in that house to do that, right? That's lameness. We're, we want somebody else to be responsible. So let's, let's get back to the Bible story, okay? So here, here's a big point that I just kind of wrote down. He's looking for money. Why is he looking for money? Why is he begging for money? Is because he just wants somebody to keep his lameness intact one more day. Jesus doesn't do that. Everywhere you see Jesus in the Bible, he did not help people cope. He set people free. And Peter and John had been around Jesus long enough that goes, you know what, if I give you money, you're going to be here lame again the next day. Let me just pause and say this. Isn't it something that he knew where to be to be lame? People that are begging know when to beg and where to be when to beg, right? They'd be like, I know. I asked mama when daddy ain't around. 
<laughs> I had somebody tell me the other day, I asked my daddy at 9.30, that's when he's been drinking too much, and he'll usually give me what I want to get. But you know you're lame when you know where to position yourself to get what you want. You understand what I'm saying? So he comes to Peter and John, and here's the, this a big principle is that money can't cure lameness. You got to know this about life. As Americans, we try to throw money at everything. If we took all the money that we've sent to Haiti since the earthquake in 2010, they had a massive earthquake, killed tens of thousands of people, and ever since then, churches have sent money, organizations have sent money, our government has sent money, and they added it up and said, if we just took this money and gave it to every citizen in Haiti, that every citizen would have a house, two cars, and $1 million in the bank. Money can't cure. It's still as broken as it was in 2010. Because we just naturally think. When we, we were in the Amazon, I was with my kids, and we were on a bus, and we were headed to do this uh, medical uh, deal. We had a bunch of nurses and doctors, and we were going to treat people all that day. And so in this one town called Nauta, they were having a big uh, protest there in the city. Uh, an oil company busted a line way in the Amazon, and for the last two years it's been spewing oil in the Amazon River. So Nauta's this port, uh, port city, they're protesting, and there's only one road in, and they closed it. We have a crowd of 5,000 people waiting to see our doctors, and they're waiting to hear the gospel. And I have all these locals built a fire in the street. We stopped the bus. I enjoy these kind of things. So, uh, so we stop. Our team is starting to pray. You know, like, oh, Jesus. I'm like, what? And then we get out and they say, you, you can you cannot come through. This, that's my accent, Peruvian. All right, you cannot come through. And, uh, and so I said, yes, we got to go through. We got 5,000 people waiting on us. He says, we will never let you through. I said, what if I gave you, and I pulled out a $100 bill, $100. And they go, we will probably not let you through. <laughs> yeah. So we ended up, they, I gave them a $100 bill, two chickens, and a bag of rice. Praise God, right, you know? And they put out the fire and escorted us into town. It was the best day of my life, right? But we, we constantly think that if we just throw resources at something, then resources will change us. But listen to me. There, is some, there are some things in life that money can never buy. And Peter looks at him and says, silver and gold we do not have. But what I have, all the silver and gold can't buy it anyways. In the name of Jesus Christ. Now, why, why did he say the full name? Like anytime you're reading your Bible and it just felt odd, because I read this like three times and I'm like, what a weird way to... To call on the name of Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Is that, that's a, right? Is that a mouthful? It's like, this is too much information. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Two things, okay? Number one, there's power in the name of Jesus. Gives you access. He didn't, they didn't just pray for him. So, well, let me pray for you. They were like, you know what you need? You need an encounter with Jesus, and I can help you get that right now. Right? So if I walk in a bank over here tomorrow, and I say, my name's Marcus Brown. And they go, well, what does that mean to us? Nothing. Nobody's even going to wait on me. They're like, okay, put a mask on, you know. <laughs> but if I use a last name that everybody knows in Arkansas, like the Waltons, you know, Walmart name. My name's Marcus 
Walt Tun. They'd be like, what you want for lunch? You know what I mean? That name gives you, it gives you a different level of access. And he goes, in the name of, then he goes, Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Why did he say this? Because here's a lame man, and he wanted him him to know about a Savior that came from a lame old city. And he said, I've got a Savior that came out of a lame old place. Does anything good come out of Nazareth? Not one good thing. I mean, if Nazareth, if it floods, nobody's rebuilding the city. If a tornado hits it, it's doing improvements. You know what I'm saying? It's, it's Nazareth. Nothing good comes out of that place. This is what it means. Listen to me. When you have an excuse in your life, Jesus said, I've trumped all the excuses because I came out of Nazareth. And you can say, well, the reason I'm the way I am right now is you don't know the family I grew up in. But in the name of Jesus Christ, well, you know, they made me go to public school. And I failed Spanish 1 and Spanish 2, right? And my parents used to spank me instead of time out. And I had to sleep outdoors with wolves one night and still have nightmares. Everybody's got all these excuses. It's a broken home or I was around addiction I was around, and they can be legitimate things, but they can become a stronghold in your life. And you can be intimidated and reserved about the things of God, and you would rather sit down than stand up. But in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, then he says, walk. And taking him by the hand, that's too pretty, and snatching him. Now, who in here has been snatched before in their life? Raise your hand if you've been snatched. Okay, this is not enough. All right, hold on. Let's back up. Who's been open hand slapped across the face? I want to know that. Is that. You haven't lived until you've been slapped across the face. We got to fix this tonight, Justin. All right? You get you a bowl of cereal and line up, baby. All right? I mean, you ain't lived. I mean, y'all didn't have a papa that worked at the paper mill? He'd get on my nerves. He'd go, boy, you sit in the wrong chair. Huh? Huh? I'd be like, whoo-hoo-hoo-hoo, I just got snatched up. All right? So <laughs> there's two things. Sometimes you need to be snatched. And sometimes you need to be, listen to me, sometimes you need to be bold enough to help snatch somebody else up. Okay? And if you have that kind of boldness, God will use you the rest of your life. We had a guy call me, and he said, you know, this businessman at our church, he, he, he quit the church over the mask. He's 60 years old. Been faithful. It's like he quit the church over the mask. I said, well, what did you tell him? He said, we didn't say anything. I sent him a text. I'm like, give me his number. So I drove across the state. I said, I'm, we're meeting at Outback. He's like, okay, I've always wanted to meet you. <laughs> I was like, all right. But I was cranky. He didn't know it, right? And when we sat down and I said, I'm getting ready to rebuke you, which means we're going to have a conversation and I'm going to say all the words. He's 60 years old. I looked in his eyes and said, are you kidding me? You quit the church over a mass? I said, is this true what I heard? Because when I heard it, it upset me so bad. I just got to know, is is this true? Like, like you're going to be dead in like 15 years max, right? (laughs) This is dead serious. This is a conversation. I'm like, really? Let's... (laughs) He's just sitting there. We, he had a steak, though. I got him a steak, all right? <laughs> I'm not asking you to do this right now, all right? I'm not. Please. <laughs> Pastor Rick's going to call us like, elevation has just offended 1,000 people. I'm like, all right. Game it. 
But I look in his eyes and I'm like, I mean, seriously, you're going to stand before God, right? You're in the, you're in the last like 25% of your life. You're going to stand before God and go, I quit church and didn't attend over a mass. And then I threw out like Hebrews 11. I was like, these people were sawed in half, burned at a stake. They were fed to lions and your mass got you. And he just teared up and broke at the table. And he said, thank you for doing this to me. Because there are some people that have got to be, listen, for them to man up, you got to help them stand up. And you got to help people get to their feet. And that means you have to be bold enough to have conversations with them. On the other end, you better open the door and let people speak into your life that way. We can't coddle you into the place that you're supposed to be in life. Do you know that? That kid's, oh, you're just so great. Sometimes you're not. Sometimes you're sinful. All right? I love you, but I don't have to be nice to you your whole life. I'm being very serious right now. Like, you don't want your pastors to just feel like they're walking on thin ice around you all the time. Are they offended, not offended? We need to treat you like you're going to do something for God, and I'm here to help you. Amen? Amen. And when I was uh, 13, 14 years old, there's this uh, bridge in Louisiana called Sykes' Ferry Bridge, and you jump off this bridge, uh, and that's how you knew how you became a man. <clears throat> and so I was nervous. We pulled up in a car. We got on the bridge, and I, I didn't even want to think about it. I just took off running up the bridge. I didn't look over to my right, and then I ran across traffic, and I jumped off the bridge. That was kind of my personality growing up. I taught my parents how to pray. And... Uh, <laughs> So all these guys are jumping. This one guy, Matt Neely, Matt Neely sat on the edge of the bridge just like this. Now listen, Matt Neely, 6'5", 230 pounds. He, his, his favorite thing to do was getting fist fights, and he did it every week, multiple times a week. He just loved to fight, and he was good at it. He's the only guy I've ever seen get in a fist fight with a dude and have another conversation going while he was fighting I mean it was just so normal one time he was fighting he's like when I'm done here you want to go to the Sonic get a cheese coney you know it's just like <laughs> sure finish it though you know and he is sitting on side of the bridge just like this terrified looking at the water and so I had gotten up and I was coming back over to the bridge and I don't know what got into me it was just my servant attitude and uh I just walked straight up to him, and I went, boom, and I hit him, and he did a 75-foot belly buster. Boom. And so, so when he came back up, he looked at me, and I can't tell you what he said, but he, he swam all the way to the side, and when he got down, he started screaming. He's like, I'm going to kill you, and he was cussing at me. I turned to him. I was like, bring it, boy, and you got to know. I didn't weigh a buck oh three, okay? And I'm looking at him. I'm trying to flex. I'm like, bring it. I've been wanting to fight you my whole life. And he, and he broke into a sprint at me, cussing, screaming, running. I'm like, come on, bring it, bring it. And he reared back, and I jumped off the bridge. Praise <laughs> God. <laughs> so, <laughs> but th listen to me. 
This is what I know about, about your next step that you're supposed to take in your journey with life. Like we're saying, it's time to man up. It's time to be a woman of God. It's time to be responsible in the areas that you know you're dropping a ball because this is going to affect the next 10, 20 years of your life, right? It's going to affect who you marry. It's going to affect the quality of the relationships and friendships you have. It's going to affect how close you're going to be with God. And we can be over here going, I'm pushing you, I'm pushing you, and I'm trying to get there. But there is some steps of faith that you got to step out there and take. Amen? In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, rise up and walk. Let me pray for you. Everybody stand with me. Why don't you just open your hands just like this? If somebody wants to come play keys or something melodic, that's okay. All right? Hey, when we were in worship, I just felt this. Everybody look at me for just a second. If, if, if you're being irresponsible and it's, trying, it's time to step up, then do that. But I, and I don't want to negate that because some of you need to take that before the Lord and go, you know what, it's time for me to begin to walk in some areas of my life on my own. All right, right just with everybody looking around, how many of y'all need to do some a better job of that, right? Let's raise our hands. Okay, me too. Some of you are not walking out things of God in your life because you're intimidated. You are intimidated. And there has to be a spirit inside of you that goes, you know what, God's called me to some things, and I'm just going to step out there and do them. Like my boy had a, had a God spoke to him in in bed, I don't know, about two or three months ago about starting a podcast. He's like, I just want to start a podcast for young teenagers my age. We'll call it Father and Son. I'll bring you on step on, on the set. And we'll just, I'll ask you difficult questions. And we can reach some people. And I said, I'm not going to help you with it. I said, I'll show up. But if you want this, you're going to have to man up. And he's all scared. So, but then he had to learn. So like, it takes so many gifts to pull some things off. It takes so much. And he's like, he figured out the microphones and he got with Seth Tom Bowley and Turner Moore and they figured out a set. And then he wrote scripts for four episodes, you know. And he's like nervous and we'd record something. Then he didn't like it and we'd do it again. And then he released it and reached 2,000 people. And uh, we just had emails from the Philippines. We, 121 people have messaged us from uh, the island of Fiji. Praise come like, boy, take me, man, you know. <laughs> but there's always going to be this intimidation that hits you that goes, you know what? I should maybe just sit back and let somebody else do something. Who am I? I'm going to tell you, it's a lie of the devil, and he'll just make you feel like you're an imposter. And you'll be as lame as anybody else who's being irresponsible if you just feel like, I'm a fake or a phony if I try to do this. That's a lie of the devil. Amen? Some of you, it's time for you to take a step of faith. You've got dreams about ministry and things inside of you, and you are been, you've been too quiet for too long. Hold your hands open.